0: But there is equality, as you pointed out, that the equality is of worth and value before God. Right. There is not. No a, if we say there's equality in role and function, that's ridiculous.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Vast Podcast. So good to have you all with us today. Hope you're doing excellent it's still raining here in california which my uh esteemed co-host is now experiencing for himself because he's in palm springs i'm in los angeles and someone please pray for this weather to change this is not why i live in california thank god i'm called here okay so today's episode is brought to you by dwell bible our incredible sponsor who have an amazing app that you can download in the app store where you can listen and read, uh, but primarily listen to scripture, lots of different voices, lots of different translations, and they have an an amazing experience for you. And if you're a Christian leader, if you're a minister or pastor of some sort, this is also a great tool for your church to uh, help improve your people's relationship with Christ, help them to keep growing in the Lord. Uh, Listening to scripture, God being present to us through the scriptures, That being a sanctifying experience is not something that we can minimize at all. And listening is such a helpful tool uh, for your people's growth. So Dwell is offering you a free one-year individual subscription. You can try it out for yourself. Text the word GOOD to 39383. Again, that's GOOD to 39383. And you'll be able to claim your free one-year subscription to Dwell Bible. Happy listening, everybody. I wanted to have a conversation with you today about 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which I'm gonna turn to you now. Um, And I'm gonna call this portion of the conversation, uh, head coverings and death by dinner. Because in this chapter, uh, Paul deals with two topics, um, both of which are not easily transferable to uh, modern thinking today both in the sense of uh, head coverings and submission and authority and then also uh, people evidently getting sick and dying because they were abusing the Lord's Supper. That indeed is something very mystical um, that uh, us Western rational minds have a difficult time understanding. So uh, why don't we take this um, piece by piece and begin with um, the head covering piece. So in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I passed them on to you. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, his head being Christ. So for a man to wear a head covering here, Paul is saying, Uh, that dishonors Christ. At least I I think that's what he's saying. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, which is her husband. It is the same as having her head shaved. If a woman does not cover her head, then she might as well have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. Verse seven, a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God but the woman is the glory of man. And then I'll just jump down and then read verse 11 just for uh, balance sake. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman, but everything comes from God. So I just felt like we should throw that in there so that there's a, a holistic picture of um, mutual respect and uh Properly understood equality between the sexes. So, let's talk about head coverings, shall we? Um, uh, What in the (laughs) what in the heck is Paul talking about here?
0: Well, there's two uh, lines of thinking. Um, One of which is the head covering is something physical, Uh, uh, you know, uh, like an actual shawl type type thing, an actual something. Um, the other of which is that he's really equating long hair with because later on he says for long hair is given to her as a covering mm-hmm. uh, it seems that um, there are several issues involved one of which is that the first one of which is that there is headship in God's created order mm-hmm. and uh, that Um, even as God has appointed Christ as head over all things, that underneath that, that a husband has a place of headship in relation to his wife. Um, And uh, um, that doesn't mean that I have headship over somebody else's wife, but over my wife. Uh, and then, of course, headship in the New Testament is described as the laying down of—the husband's headship is defined in Ephesians 5 as the laying down of his life on behalf of his wife. So it, it's not um, headship and authority as far as the the, the world is—sorry, I'm just make, trying to keep the text up in front of me on my phone—it's um, not headship quote-unquote, as the world would understand it in terms of authoritarianism, it's actually an inverted pyramid of servanthood. Um, and 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 Christ clearly led the way in that. So even though uh, Christ is, the head of every man is Christ, it doesn't mean that Christ is lording over. Christ has shown his headship by giving his life for me, and therefore I give my life for my wife. But, in, but he's also making the point that there is an order uh, it's the Greek word is taxis, T-A-X-I-S, and we get the word in Greek, hupotasimai, from that, which means to come under the order, place oneself under the order. We translate it, submit. But submit actually is a conscious, voluntary decision to place myself under an order that God has established for the greater good of everyone, including myself. And so, it isn't that God has... Um, said okay there's a pyramid and on top of it is the man and on top of it is christ and then the man and then the woman you know and et cetera. it's that god has simply given structure to the universe same in romans 13 where he talks about the taxes of god in relation to civil society there is an order in civil society and god has put that in place for the protection of everybody um because where there's no order and where there's chaos is where satan runs amok and so uh so god has established an order and all of us are called to fit into the order in the appropriate way uh uh, for things to work the way that they're supposed to work um but in that we also understand that authority in the kingdom of god is exercised in terms of servanthood um so you know as christians that's just an important point if we give up on that we are actually giving up on the creation order of god it's not a question of you know um feminism or promoting the place of women or you know taking a stand against male abuse and which obviously is a terrible thing. It's just the recognition that there's an order. And then we have to explain what that order is really, really carefully. So so in this issue of the head coverings is somehow connected with the bigger picture of order in current the, the the bigger picture, the big idea that Paul is conveying here deals with the order. By which which God is established so that the the world works properly and um, and everybody is protected and you know benefits from the order when everybody is in their plays their appropriate place. It's just like, because disorder seems to be something that this church in particular was struggling with, and it and that's correct. So it's just like in a you know. In a hockey team, there's forwards, there's people who play center, there's people who play defense, there's the goalie. And um, sometimes the forwards are the flashier, you know, the ones that get more attention, same in, in soccer. But um, actually, some people are gift, everyone that is playing those positions is created, so to speak, to play those particular positions. And if you mix them up, it's going to be disaster for everyone. So, that's the idea here. And so, this head covering thing um, right. is part of the distinctiveness between men and women. That he's making a point that there is a difference. Like, we're all equal in worth and value, but there are differences in... Wait, wait, life. wait, 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 wait. There's a difference between men and women? Well, I, I, I don't know about that. You well, know, I, I mean... It, it's a, it may come as a revelation to you that, um, so, uh, but I thought, well, I could, what if I want to be a woman? Well, then uh, we'll have a counseling session afterward. Um, so, but there is equality, as you pointed out, that the equality is of worth and value before God. Right. There is not, no, if it, we say there's equality in role and function, that's ridiculous. Because God has created men in certain ways, women in other ways. It's just like saying um, uh, you could take someone that can barely, uh, you know, keep their own household finances, and put them in charge of running a bank. Right. Which that bank in California that just failed seemed to be more or less what was happening. But anyway. <laughs> uh, so,
1: in other words. I was uh, going to say it sounds like you're talking about politicians who are responsible for well,
0: that, our national budgets. In God's sight, everyone is of equal value, but everyone has different gifts, different roles and functions. And that's part of where the rub is in terms of how Christianity and, and secular pagan culture you know, is coming to a d- division. In these days is because and and you can see it most blatantly in in the whole postmodern thing where you know if you don't like you know the limits that some uh, function plays on uh, that 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 the way that you've been created it places certain limits or whatever then you can just change your identity and of course that's ludicrous you can't do that it has all sorts of catastrophic results so so the issue of the the head coverings is is linked in with that and either it's that uh you know the the long hair that a woman has is part of what differentiates her from a man outwardly um or this covering that she places on her head which seems to be related to um praying and prophesying it's not something that occur if you take it as a an item you know an item that was physically placed on on a woman's head it is only to be used during such time as she is praying and prophesying and it indicates that it's a sign uh, a symbol of authority because of the angels that's another mysterious statement of verse 10 right um that seems to be that uh, God is concerned uh, for uh, God is concerned for the the taxes, the order and that this issue of the covering is somehow related it's a kind of an outward symbol of the willingness of a woman to take her place within the order that God has created and not to try to be something that she isn't uh and so
1: would we say that both i mean whether you take it as a physical head covering or uh or long hair I, i would say that both of those are cultural uh cultural things today for example like i would take it as those were those were symbolic of submission covering authority um Whereas today, if a if a wife has short hair, I don't then take that as oh she must not be taking her place in in God's order.
0: Um, well, it doesn't say saying... not wearing her head covering, even even if she's praying or prophesying, All right? But it, it doesn't say uh, to start with. Um, uh, uh, it 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 doesn't it it, it, it the text in verses six in
1: verse
0: six equates short hair actually with a shaved head Mm -hmm. so uh if we saw shaved heads were kind of popular a a couple years back for for women (laughs) and
1: like taya taya from hillsong had a shaved
0: head well uh and i i think that violates one corinthians 11. interesting and and I think that uh, because I think that is a there is a, a mistake and there is a, a gender confusion going on. Uh, so I'm not talking about you know um, uh, some you know Pentecostal groups women never cut their hair uh, or maybe once every twenty years or something. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a woman who shaves her head and. The only purpose of that really is to look like a man and and that i think is a violation of god's created order because it upsets the taxes and and i think that's as valid today as it was then people seem to think that a lot of these issues are unique to our modern society that's rubbish the whole roman empire was one big cesspit of postmodernism, mm-hmm. in its own way you know uh, right down to the abortion. It was just, you know, infanticide then. Um, and so, you know, what goes around comes around. There's nothing new under the sun and all these things are true. Um, so I think we need to look at the text. And I've always felt that, you know, the the, the bigger picture here is, do we have uh, a recognition that God has assigned roles and functions to men that are not the same as the roles and functions He's assigned to women. So, I guess we could say, if we were to kind of uh,
1: roll with what you're saying here, broadly speaking, objectively, there is a certain way in which a man should physically present himself and a certain way in which a woman should physically present herself. Both of those are, you know, have you know, flexibility to it, but there's a certain there's some lines there, uh, yeah. in which we want to operate within. And yeah, part of that if according to Paul here is has to do with their hair.
0: Yeah. I and I yeah. And uh, see I would kind of push back on that a bit. I, I, I would I would say
1: I, was, I would kind of push back on that a little bit. Um but not not too intensely. Like I can I can understand what you're saying. And and in principle, I agree with it. I I think that there is a feminine way of presenting ourselves and a masculine way of presenting ourselves. And that should match our, well, our DNA, to be frank. I mean, what God has made us to be. Um, But within that, is it possible that the lines kind of are at the mercy of, um, of the culture in which we live? If, if in one culture what it what it means to present yourself as a woman is different than what it means to present yourself as a woman in a different culture am i still fulfilling what god requires of me if i'm presenting myself in the way that that culture views manhood and, and womanhood like i don't know help me think that through
0: well you know i'm not an anthropologist so uh you know i can't pontificate on that but uh all i'm saying is that paul was coming out of a culture that's 2000 years removed from our current culture uh i i would suspect that if you went around the world and conducted an anthropological study of different cultures that you would find that um that for women to have shaved head there would be something abnormal about that that's not
1: necessarily true though like um for example uh, I don't know if you saw the, what is a woman documentary, um, uh, phenomenal documentary. And, and it, it does a brilliant job of, of picking apart and confronting this horrendous gender theory that is sweeping across our nation here in the U S and, and across the West and in, in general, in terms of, um, uh, what is gender and the fluidity, uh, conversation around that, which of course is completely anti-biblical and anti-Christ. So, but in that, one of the places he goes to uh, was uh, a village, a tribal village in Africa, I believe. Um, And unless my memory totally mistakes me, uh, a lot of the women in that that village had short hair. So surely Paul wouldn't have gone to uh, a village like that preached the gospel and said, as a part of this, now that you're followers of Christ, you women need to grow your hair out. I don't I, I, I don't think that that would be the case at all. I think this is very much an instance of what does it look like to fulfill uh, faithfulness to God in, in their culture. Um, and I understand that that has to be really talked through in detail, because you don't want to open yourself up to any kind of relativism that's not what I'm saying at all. Those of you who listen to this podcast regularly know that that's not my tack um, but surely that is an instance where the conversation would would go a step further than just long hair short hair
0: well i yeah i like I said, I'm not an uh, anthropologist, so uh and uh it would be interesting to know how godly church pastors in those areas handle that. It would be interesting to know if the coming of christianity made any difference to uh you know ancient tribal practices those things would be part of the conversation i think um and uh and i'm sure I was, they uh, did there are things in our culture that have to change when christ comes into the culture there's no doubt about that so i'm not i'm not trying to give answers i'm just throwing some stuff back at you you same. know in terms of that um the other issue is the issue of prostitution at corinth where uh, women had shaped heads and that throws a bit of a but, and and actually I have to say um, I'm not uh, I'd have to look into this I'm not 100% certain that that's often said I'm not sure how much support there is for that uh, and I haven't had time to investigate it um, but that's that's a possible extra thing that he's talking about here mm-hmm. that you don't want to run around looking like a prostitute. but you see what what even that would prove my point in a way because if it was the prostitutes that had the shaved heads, then they represent something which is opposed to the order of God and maybe the shaved head is part of that. It goes with the prostitution. Do you know what I mean? as an expression of uh, something that's out of order uh, in God's in God's economy.
1: Right. And to that I would say what what does it mean to present yourself as a prostitute in in the West today? And it would I and I would say, okay, we should not present ourselves that way for sorority. Um, which yes. is where I kinda go, absolutely the gospel has things to say about this, but surely there's some cultural
0: uh I just I just think that uh Paul's making the point that the, the main point he's making is the difference between men and women in mm. the taxes in the order of god uh he's not making any any statement of superiority or inferiority right. he's just indicating the different there's a different roles that are being performed here yeah and um and this is part of his discussion and so we have to take it seriously that our outward appearance uh um, it, it, it We don't want to go in a legalistic direction, but our outward appearance is a reflection. And I think we'd all agree our outward appearance can be a reflection of what's going on in our heart so that when there's all sorts of rebellion going on in our heart, it often can reflect itself in our outward appearance. Absolutely. And I think we have to be careful not to just throw his words out here um, and, no, I agree with you, completely. It's well, relative, and we're not going to pay attention to that. Yep. No,
1: I'm, absolutely. I, I'm on the same page with you 100% in that regard. And it's a recognition of honor. And to act in a certain way intentionally uh, can dishonor our head, whether that be a wife dishonoring her husband, a husband dishonoring Christ, um, and even a husband dishonoring his wife, even though that's not a matter of uh his submission to her as his head there's still uh, a certain way that the new testament commands a husband to treat his wife that respects her and honors her um and so i'm i'm with you on that 1 100% it's just uh it's one of those things that's it's so far removed from 2023 in los angeles uh,
0: you know um yeah you that know matter 2023 well, anywhere you, 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 yeah but you have to remember that the early Christian Church was in exactly the same boat in relation to Rome and the Roman Empire. Uh, it's it's not that different, and you know God has called us to walk a different way. Doesn't mean we all become Amish, you know, but I mean God has called us to walk a different way. little well, let me ask you this question then. So, because I'm
1: I'm with you for sure. Let's say, let's say that the proper interpretation is not hair; it is head covering would you would you take the same approach with that as you do with the hair so if if your feeling is actually yeah a woman a wife's hair should be longer um, would you then say okay when women pray or prophesy they should put a head covering
0: on or would you say that no that's more cultural well I I take it seriously and uh, it's just that uh what hill are you going to die on? You know, uh, it, it's hard enough for us to maintain the basic truth behind this passage of the difference between men and women. Uh, if you introduce, which by the way, at the be- in the early days, years, years of the church that I started in England, we did practice head coverings. Wow. And uh uh, and we also had some very strong and anointed women that didn't seem to be bothered by it at all. It seemed to release something in the prophetic. Uh, so I take Scripture very seriously, no matter how offensive it is to modern culture, uh, but I think that it's one of those areas that A, is so out of whack with culture uh, that it's almost impossible to reintroduce. Um, The other issue, of course, here in one Corinthians 11 is that it could be that the head covering refers to long hair. Mm -hmm. So I just come down to the point where I really do feel that Paul is making a strong statement here about the difference between men and women, and I'm not comfortable with men... The look like women and women that look like men yeah and if you want to find out where that's going to take you then just go down to your postmodern modern university department and see the wreckage of lives that's going on in those places yeah i would gosh i could not agree with you more there and it is
1: interesting um for me personally you know to say, to say nothing of my opinions of the shaved head trend that was going on, you know, I wasn't a fan, but uh, that, that perhaps is my own personal uh, view. Anyway, so, but when it comes to a man presenting himself like a woman, that immediately makes me go, oh, wow, I really don't like that, um, and so maybe I'm just not being as critical uh, from from the other direction,
0: yeah. well, it goes both ways because he's Paul he goes both ways in this scripture. he's criticizing the men that look like women as well. So, you know, uh, and I again, I mean, you you can't be legalistic. you've got to go to the heart of it. You know, you 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 can't police it by rules, but by the heart. You know, because right. especially and, if we're not
1: totally true. clear, like if we're not 100% sure it's hair or head covering, we've got to go to the heart
0: right. of it. When we, when we talk about women looking like men and men looking like women, uh, we'd agree that what, how we present ourselves, especially if there's a radical statement involved, generally expresses something that's going on in our heart. The outward is just a sign of the inward. And when we look at these kind of things, What's going on in the heart of that person is not good. We, you know, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, immediately we would say that it's not a good thing. There's something not right here, um, and I'm not talking about, you know, men that use, you know, a little bit of cosmetics to make themselves look a little bit better. I, I'm past that. I, I never did, but you know, it's too late now. Save me, but yeah, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not being. Silly about stuff like that. Uh, I'm talking about something more, more radical than that, and the right. blurring of genders. And I, and I'm glad it's come out in a way because now we can see where it all winds up, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it, it doesn't go in a in a in a good place. And it, so, uh, yeah. I think and, we and have to remind ourselves.
1: You know, I doubt, I doubt the women shaving their head. Uh, trend, I doubt that that began in the church. That probably began in the secular culture. And there's certain things that happen in secular culture that Christians can appropriate and make use of. And then, then there are certain things or lots of things that we should be much more thoughtful about in terms of, is this something that a Christian should take on board? And when new things happen in culture or new trends develop, usually there's some catching up that has to take place in the sense of, maybe Christians initially are open and then they realize, wait a minute, this kind of like, this heads in a direction that communicates the wrong thing. Um, and so perhaps this is an example of that where it's like, okay, so this trend kind of picks up, some women embrace it, um, and then you go, you know what, that that may not be the best choice in terms of where, where, where the intended road is for that. Because it, my guess would be that it's part of um, the overall view of there being no d- gender differential whatsoever. Um, and certainly that, that doesn't line up with with the scripture. Um, so yeah, that's all very fascinating and interesting. And there's still so much in this that we haven't even began to do with. I mean, what do you make of like verse 13? When So when Paul says something like this, judge for yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for long hair is given to her as her covering? If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. Could we take Paul as saying there, like, "This, this is what seems to be true to me? You make up your own mind, but
0: just so you know, this is our practice everywhere. Is it? Well, no. I see that you can't say that because then you then you throw out half of, or two thirds or three quarters of what Paul is saying about anything. You know. Uh, so, uh, I think that uh, if we accept Scripture as authoritative, then we have to accept his words as authoritative, and of course, you know they're in alignment. I agree with you but perhaps the authoritative thing is
1: uh you know so paul can say like i'll eat what's in the meat
0: market it doesn't affect my conscience um but maybe that's it's different. different he explicitly says that he in in romans chapter 14:15 and 1 Corinthians 8 and 10 where those issues are dealt with um uh, of the eating of meat and freedom and so on he is explicitly stating that There is nothing theologically wrong with eating meat but i won't eat meat if it causes my brother's downfall because the greater good of my brother's salvation is at stake so we accept both statements as as having divine backing both that there's nothing wrong in principle with eating any kind of food and secondly that the eating of food is to be subjected to the greater good of the salvation of the other person. But in any case, both are truth statements. They're not just Paul's opinions. What does Paul mean when he's saying the very nature of things? Does not the nature of things tell you? Well, I think it's God's, it's the taxes. It's God's created order. That's what he's thinking of. You know, I mean, he talks about it quite a bit that christ is everything has been put under his feet that christ is seated at the right hand of the father that god has appointed government you know that slaves be subject to your to your masters children be subject to your parents wife submit yourself to your husband uh submit yourself to church leaders and and, and etc that's all there's a whole in my i plug my my book exodus uh which is a guide to freedom in a deconstructed world, that's what the subtitle is, that I try to deal with all of these situations uh, and with the ongoing or the linking theme of all of them is what is the meaning of Christian freedom? But uh, a lot of it or a lot, very large part of it has to do with the order of creation and our freedom is restricted by God for our own benefit that's a consistent theme of the new testament and it plays out here in 1 corinthians 11 in in husband-wife relationship it plays out in the places where he talks about slaves and masters which would be employers and employees um in relation to government in relation to church leadership and so on it plays out and obviously to god above everything else and even christ is part of the taxes in the end all things will be subjected to him and subjected everything to himself you know 1 corinthians 15 and 28 so with this whole theme that the idea is that it's all for our benefit every last bit, bit of it is for our benefit the same way as a hockey team will be more effective if the forwards play forward and the goalie plays goal and the defenders you know defense plays defense and so on that the team will be more effective and work better for, for everyone. So it is in life. No, it's really good. So on the whole, we would say that
1: actually, yes, Christians should uh, take no issue with the fact that there is a certain objective standard to the way a man is to present himself and the way a woman is to present herself. And that that, can even be part of our witness to the world um, in in submitting to that uh,
0: that objective truth, if you will, or reality um, right and see so you you put your finger on it. all these things come from the pagan world, and so um, why is it that we feel obligated to kowtow to stuff that's coming from out there when when really we have something here that will be healing for their dysfunction. Why do we feel that we have to submit to their dysfunction and give up what God has ordained for our own good and for their good? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it makes me think
1: of um, Ephesians, and this is a a scripture I was pondering even just this morning uh, where... Paul says at the end of Ephesians 1 that God placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, I know that I can't plumb the depth of those phrases right there because it's it's so incredibly rich. But there's this idea that Christ is the head over everything, over all creation, for the church, which is his body is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So us, Christ is the head of everything. He's also uniquely the head of the church. And as part of our relationship with Christ, his headship over everything is for our benefit. It's it's like we are participating with him in um in helping redeem the world and redeem cultures so that they can see the way that things are supposed to be. I guess you could say that Christ is the head of the church in a distinct way from him being the head over all of creation, uh, his headship over us being one of willing submission, his headship over the creation or over over human society being one of like a Psalm 110 type headship where it's like he's, you know, making mockery of them and uh, and every knee will bow whether or not they choose to uh, at the end kind of thing but but us being submitted to christ is part of our witness to the world in calling them to in calling them to the life of of making him lord and submitting to him by choice and by obedience um instead of being forced to at the end so It makes me think of that because here we have this picture of submission um, and that actually needs to be a witness to the world of what it looks like for men and women, husbands and wives to interact with one another in the church. That can be a good example and model uh, to the world, which of course we see relationships between men and women constantly fragmenting and failing and splintering in all kinds of ways. Any final thoughts on that before we... Well, talk?
0: I think you brought it to a good conclusion. Okay, cool. So
1: uh, let's talk about death by dinner, and then we can wrap up with this. So in the rest of 1 Corinthians uh, 11, Paul says in verse 17, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, they show up for the Lord's Supper. Some of them go hungry. Some of them eat. Some of them get drunk don't you have your own homes to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? So there's some unfair treatment uh, of uh, some members of the church here in Corinth. And then Paul talks about the Lord's Supper, the new covenant, the body and the blood. And then he makes this really fascinating statement. He says, uh, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep which of course is new testament language for having died so i take paul literally here i think he actually means that there's people in this church who are eating and drinking judgment upon themselves because of their abuse of the lord's supper and that judgment is equaling their physical sickness and even death is that the way you take this
0: yeah, but we have to be careful. The, what do we mean by the abuse of the Lord's Supper? It's specifically um, ignoring the fact that Christ died for all of us and has brought us into one body and given us all equal worth and value together. And we come along into church and we treat um, the poor among us uh, in a, um, you know, a despicable way. And, um, and so God's saying, you can't do that. And actually, I won't have that attitude because it is a total... Contra- it is a bringing of the kingdom of darkness into the church in that the rich are ruling by force and power. Uh, and instead of laying aside their human privileges or even using their human wealth to serve... Those who are less fortunate and less blessed, they are, um, you know, carrying their previous ungodly kingdom of darkness mentality over into the church and turning the church into another replica of the world. And Paul says, God will not have that. And he actually has passed judgment on some of those people uh, to remove them. And I felt over the years that you know, any pastor will tell you, any godly pastor will tell you that sometimes there's a backdoor revival. God removes people, you know, and 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 hopefully not, you know, by killing them, but God does remove them because they're contaminating, uh, they're bringing the kingdom of darkness into the body of Christ, and that will destroy the church, and God is committed. You know, he says, if any one of you destroys God's temple, God will tear him limb from limb in 1 Corinthians 3. It's a, That's the literal meaning of the Greek. God is very committed to keeping his church safe. And where there is sin and corruption, you can be sure, uh, this was as recent as a discussion that I had with some other folk a couple hours ago, you know, that it will come out and God will expose it um, in order to get rid of it because it will destroy the church and 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 that cannot be allowed to happen because the church is god's only plan to reach the peoples of this world with the gospel and so here we have a situation of corruption within the body of christ and he puts it within the framework of the lord's supper because um the lord's supper in the early church seems to have been observed within the context of a meal just like the jewish passover and so, in the context of the meal, the rich were partying, and the poor went hungry. That this was just symbolic of the way that the these richer people were treating the poorer people in the in the congregation, and at the same time, they were hypocritically participating in the Lord's Supper, which is the one who was richest of all gave his riches over to us, uh, so that through his poverty, we might become rich. Paul says to the in two Corinthians. So um, they're flagrantly denying, living in violation of the cross. Um, they've taken the benefits of what Christ gave, and and refused to pass them on to others, and and so they come under judgment. So I mean, I you know I think when we come to the Lord's Supper and sometimes it's like examine yourself and we're supposed to be looking inside ourselves. Actually, we need to look outside ourselves to how are we treating the brothers and sisters around us? You know, am I not sort of, you know, um, well, I, I consider that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not drinking or smoking or uh taking drugs or whatever therefore i'm holier I'm, I'm 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 holy enough to take the lord's supper it's more like how am i treating have i been gossiping have i been backbiting have i been you know seeing people in need and not help them have i shown compassion or not shown compassion to people those are the issues when we come to the lord's supper in the in the brethren my dad was a young christian the elders if there was any dissension between brethren in the body the elders would take those men aside and say you are forbidden to come to the lord's table until your personal issues are resolved in a christ-like manner and i think that is the job of the elders of the church because if we're wreaking vengeance on one another we're in danger of bringing ourselves under judgment in the context of the Lord's Supper, because that's the very point at which we acknowledge what Christ has done for us. And we don't want to fall into the, like the two debtors, you know, where I take, I have the greater debt forgiven, and then I refuse to forgive the smaller debt somebody else owes to me, which was obviously the kind of thing that was happening here in Corinth.
1: Yeah, there's also uh, what Jesus says in regards to when you're bringing your offering, if you remember... That your brother has something against you he says go fix that go reconcile that um and the same attitude should be carried towards uh being a part of the church whether we're whether we're physically eating the bread and drinking the wine that sunday or not does not change the fact that we are all uh part of one body and so what i hear you saying is um Yes, the specific example here is eating the Lord's Supper and that can get into a whole other conversation about our regularity of that and how often we should be doing that. Can, I'm more and more convinced that we should be doing it more often than not and perhaps should just take Jesus at his word when he says, whenever you, uh, whenever you get together, do this in remembrance of me. Um, but again, that's another conversation and it's a journey that I myself am, am on. There's all kinds of pragmatic things that come along with that, but the spirit of it is as people who are part of one body in the church, when you're working against that unity and you're working against the, the flow of God's grace through you to others, that's something that God is going to deal with. Um, and if you're, you know, you're really rebellious against him and work and even working to destroy what God is building, then God will not hesitate to reap that destruction back on you.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's sobering
1: sobering and it certainly comes full circle to where our conversation started so there's that Um, okay this has been great thank you for entertaining me or uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for oh gosh sometimes my, my, my vocabulary just vocabulary just evaporates from my, um, my mind. Anyway, thanks for having this, this discussion with me. Um, these are all very interesting subjects and hopefully good food for thought for everybody out there. I'm I'm not the only one that comes across these passages and scratches my head sometimes as to what Paul means. Um, and so we appreciate you all listening and Hey, do us a favor, uh, and subscribe to our YouTube channel that does a great deal of help for us. Also rate us wherever you listen to your podcast. Super helpful. Um, And if you go to vastpodcast.io, you can also sign up for our newsletter, which we've started doing on a weekly basis. You can get that into your inbox. God bless you guys. Thank you again to our sponsor, Dwell. We love you all. We'll see you next week.